And it's through joyful activism that we're actually going to make a difference. I really feel like fear tactic, oneness, or like if you don't understand spiritual connection, or if you don't do this work, you're not going to. I think that 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 phrasing or that sort of alignment is actually destructive and and um, repelling, rather than sort of hey, let's like play and dance and throw parties and really like bring joyful activism to climate awareness or to belonging. I believe that love is all around us. Love is everything and everywhere. I am love. You are love. We are all love. In our divinity, in our soul, in the truest and simplest form of our being, we are pure, unconditional love. Love is the answer to everything. Every week in this podcast, we're talking to incredible and beautiful people who will be sharing their insights and perspectives to help you find more peace, to help you come from a place of love more often, to help encourage you to be kinder to yourself and others, to help you create more happiness in your life, to help you feel more oneness with others, and to help you connect to your higher self. My name is Justin Court. Together, we will help shift the collective consciousness of the planet to be more loving, kind, peaceful, happy, empathetic, understanding, and accepting. This can only be achieved together. It starts with each and every one of us. We are one. And it's time we start acting that way. I am so, so grateful that you're here. I love you. I support you. And I'm here for you. Let's together create more love in this world. Let's do this. Radha Agrawal is a social entrepreneur, author, joy advocate, public speaker, and co-founder of Daybreaker. Daybreaker is a massive community of over 500,000 in 28 cities and five continents. It will help you break the day with dance, energy, intention, and joy. Radha is channeling source energy and living her truth by creating more joy through community and belonging. She is also teaching joy practices on dose every week, supporting her members on their journey to joy. Be sure to check out her book, Belong. Find your people, create community, and live a more connected life. Radha, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. So good to be here too. Thanks for having me, Justin. Of course. I'm really thrilled to chat with you more about belonging, uh, more about being part of a collective, um, more about community, because I know that's what you've been doing for the past 15, 20 years or so. Uh, But before we jump into that, and I'm just really interested in how you got there, how this all came about. uh, But before we even jump into that a little bit, uh, if you can let everybody know about Daybreaker, which is this fantastic... um, thing that you have created. I knew about it when I was actually living in New York City too. Uh, So if you can just fill people in on what that is. Yeah. So Daybreaker is an early morning dance and wellness experience. 
um, that basically starts your day with joy, energy, community, and experience that's sort of unlike any morning you'll ever have. Um, the whole idea is to, yeah, to sort of flip the whole nightlife world on its head and create an experience for the morning where people can connect, dress up, you know, so feel their best, but in a time of day where we're the most energetic um, and optimistic as studies have shown. And, um, you know, everyone's coming from the same place, their beds. So imagine like a 6 a.m. wake up, going to the top of the World Trade Center, a level of energy, the circadian mm -hmm. rhythm that invites us to be awake. That's really the daybreaker ethos. And, and now we're in 30 cities around the world. We're a community of over 500,000 members. And we, um, yeah, we're currently on tour. We're on our um, nature tour right now in uh, outdoor botanical gardens, parks. We're doing Red Rocks next week um, and uh, Central Park and uh, all kinds of really wonderful wild places that typically don't have dance parties and we do them there. <laughs> uh, it sounds so amazing. So I have to be honest, when I was living in New York, I remember, I remember seeing these and they were videos and it looked amazing. Everyone said they had the best time. But at that stage of who I was, that version of Justin was not somebody who could wake up early or who wanted to wake up early. So even though I knew that would be something that could help me in getting up early, just even getting up early enough to get there was something at that time that I just was not a part of my being. Um, yeah, okay. you know, I think I think that's what that's what everyone's biggest barrier is. And I think, frankly, when you're waking up and it's still dark outside, and it's like four forty-five to put on a costume. It's sort of very antithetical to the way we are living currently, especially to go to a party when you can be sleeping. But it's like the courage to get out the door to go somewhere. By the time you get there, the sun is just peeking out, and there's like five hundred or a thousand people dressed up all to do yoga together for the first hour with like a soundscape and sound bowl and harpist and guitarist followed by a two hour dance party. It's just like, you just can't imagine what that does for your day to kickstart your day. And what that does for the whole city when that type of energy then begins to spread across, across it. It sounds like the most beautiful experience. And uh, leading up to this podcast, I looked at your tour to see if you guys would be down here in St. Pete and, and you know, you guys aren't going to be here, but now that sounds like the most fun, best thing ever. Cause I can't think of a better way to start a day than get out, be with other people, do yoga, see the sunrise and everyone kind of just sharing our energy with each other and being there together to share this experience with another. It sounds awesome. And to start your day again with energy and intention and community, it's like a, there's no better, more like magical way to start your day. And, you know, to your, to your question of like, you look to see if we were on uh, coming to St. Pete, um, people travel all over uh, the world to come to our events and align their vacations, align their, their holidays around coming, coming through one of our cities. So uh, don't let that stop you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's so good. Yeah. Um, I know. And that just seems like such a beautiful way really to, to get your day started. And I love that you said this too. It's good for the city really, because all of those people vibrating in that way and sharing that energy and having that just continue to move out and then touch the other people in the city uh, right. So it's not it's, just beneficial. Yeah. For the people there, but for everybody around too. Yeah. It's, it's exponential is the way, yeah. the way, the way I think about it. It's like, if you, if one person shares about it on their social, 
and they have 500 followers, that's 500 times the number of people who get that joy. Yeah. Or, and then you go to your office and you bring it to your office and there's 15 or 20 people who are at your office. You've 20 X'd, right, your, your joy across your office. And so, you know, I really feel like our events are average 500 to, you know, 800 people come come to our events. We, we kept them particularly, you know, not festival size. We really wanted a size that felt big enough that you get lost in a crowd but small enough where it felt like by the time you go through the three hour experience, you've sort of run into the same people multiple times. So it feels familiar. Um, so that's sort of our sweet spot size, like anywhere from like 300 to 1200. That's awesome. And I think about it too, like jumping on the subway after that, how much of a better mood and feeling you must be in. <laughs> and even, <laughs> even right there, making those like little connections or, you know, showing that little bit of kindness to that other person on the subway, which could totally uh, radically shift their day because you're just feeling that much better. Yeah. You know, like our main KPI daybreaker, our key performance indicator is TOJ, tears of joy. <laughs> so we basically decide, you know, at the end of an event, like did, was this an epic event based on the number of joyful tears we see on the dance floor <laughs> or during our, our closing secret concert um, at the end of the event? Nice. I love that. And Rada, how did you get here? How, where did this desire to create more community come from? And especially in this sort of a way? Yeah, um, you know, I think for me, it was really born of my parents. My father's from India, an immigrant from India. My mother's from Japan, an immigrant from Japan. They came to America not knowing English or anyone, and they had to create community for themselves. And so um, they met, fell in love, neither of them speaking, you know, their mother tongues. So they had to sort of communicate in, in sort of new ways, right? Like using their body language, using, using their you know, eyes as, as sort of um, kind of uh, metrics, meters of joy, right? Like mm. sharing joy through just smiling through their eyes. And so they really taught us what courageous community building looked like. Um, they really, from the very beginning since I was born, we would have these gatherings at my house growing up with like all sorts of people from around the world that they were the center of. Like they really were the ones that wow. threw the parties and gathered people. And we had birthday parties that, that, you know, that all the kids at school wanted to come to because they just, they were never just throwing wine and cheese parties. They were throwing, they were inventing games. They were creating, you know, sort of poetry jams or like, you know, sort of really fun, um, art forward experiences for our friends. So that it wasn't just a boring drink beer and, and drink wine and cheese, right? So they really showed us, me, I say us always, my twin sister, myself and my other sister, we're, we're less than a year apart, my other sister. Um, but we, they really sort of showed us what gathering intentionally and playfully looked like. And they also showed us what courageous community building look like too with English as our second language. So cool that this came from your parents. So it's been in you for such a long time, your whole life. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I think, you know, the, 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 what happened was like all of us, you know, we go to college, we leave the comfort of our home and then all of a sudden we're sort of lost. We're starting again. So I had to, I left the comfort of my parents sort of cradle. Um, you know, my dad was my soccer coach. My mom was my Japanese school teacher. My dad was my Hindi school teacher. Like they were very, very involved in our lives. Um, 
So leaving them, it was a culture shock of like, oh, okay, even if I had my twin sister with me, you know, I was really like sleepwalking through college and through my 20s. I was like trying to fit in with, you know, the American kids. I moved from Canada to the U.S. to I was recruited to play soccer at Cornell. And um, so I moved countries and, and, and sort of really started over with my community. And um, that was a period of kind of figuring it out and feeling really sort of lonely with my sister though, thank God, but in that journey of, of finding my tribe and feeling sense of belonging. So I drank myself to blackouts. I, you know, did things that I, you know, I, I did things that I, I wasn't proud of, but I did them to fit in and to feel like well, all of us do. We, we drink too much. We yeah. talk to people, we hang out with people that don't align with our values because we think that they're cool or, you know, um, I played soccer as well in college. So like my, my class, my, my teammates, um, whether they were nice people or not, you know, we, um, you know, I, they were the people I surrounded myself with. And, and as the adage goes, you are as good as the five closest friends you keep. Right. And so I was kind of pushed into these communities because I loved sports, um, you know, and, and we're surrounded by sort of not the most positive energy, you know, women on my team was a very catty experience. So, so, was a, you know, and then moving to New York um, for after college as an investment banker and 9-11 happening, it was just like a lot of experiences that I went through in my 20s that were very shape-shifting, but also I lost sight of the importance of belonging and community. I was just sort of on my own path. And then at 30, that was the beginning of, ah, okay, like I don't belong. I look myself in the mirror. And I was like, I don't belong. Rada, this is the moment. Let me really do the work to prioritize friendships over romance and career, which all of us are told to do. And that just shift of my own personal kind of new value system changed my life. So prioritizing community and belonging in my friend tribe um, was, was the beginning of this incredible um, uh, you know, following 10, 15 years. You know, so. Well, honestly, amazing for you because how many times in life are we told to prioritize our career or our job? Not our friends, not the people who are closest to us. I feel like that sort of consciousness is coming out more now, which is great in terms of really keeping positive, loving, good people around you and in your circle, because that will help you in life. That'll help form who you are. But forever, at least that's not what I was really told. It was focus on your career, get these things done. The people around you, there are people around you, just deal with it, figure it out. It's not a big deal. Be more focused on this other thing. Um, yeah. Right. It's like, it's like, you know, when was the last time you wrote down, this is the first exercise in my book, actually. It's write down the qualities you're looking for in a friend. Like when have you ever done, when has any of us ever done that? literally write down on a piece of paper, what are the qualities I'm looking for in a friend? We do this for our careers. We do this for a romantic. Oh, I want a man who's going to romance me off my feet and whatever, right? But do we write down what we're looking for in a friend? No, we don't do this actually. We're not taught to prioritize it. So that's the first thing I did in my own personal life and which changed everything. So I kind of open sourced my own, everything I did for my own life that changed it all for me in this book that everyone else could do that too. But so column one, what are the qualities you're looking for in a friend? Column two, what are the qualities that you don't want in a friend? 
right? I didn't want negative Nelly, shoulder shruggers, you know, mm. shit talkers, um, you know, people who are lazy, whatever, entitled. Um, those are the things I didn't want in a friend. And, and to write them down is powerful and gives you boundaries. And then column three, perhaps the most important column that I wrote down was what are the qualities that I needed to embody in order to attract the friends of my dreams? So how do I need to show up? I need to be less judgy, you know, maybe less of a cancel, canceling because I'm working too hard or I'm prioritizing a date, you know, over over a friend date. Um, you know, I need to be um, less of a triple booker. I would say yes to too many things sometimes. Mm. And then, you know, sort of not have the courage to say no. Um, I lost some friends that way as well. But, but yeah, so there's a lot of like self-reflection in that third column that was also extremely game-changing for me. Love that. I was literally, as you were talking about, and I think that's a fantastic idea to write down really the qualities that you're looking for in someone else. Cause you're right. Nobody ever does that. Nobody. I've, I've never even thought to do that until right now, which is kind right. of crazy when I say that out loud. And, uh, and once you do do that, but once you do do yeah. that, you begin literally the universe. Like it's like wild. I'm not really that that woo woo. I used to not be, but now, once you write it down and begin intentionally putting energy into those value sets, then all of a sudden it begin. It's just sort of they start showing up on your doorstep, right? It is. I mean, it's law of attraction. When you focus on those things, that's what's going to be brought to you. And I loved that you said self reflection. And who am I? Like, who do I want to be so I can attract these certain people to me as well? Because you might want the positive, awesome people out there who are going to lift you up. But if you're the negative Nancy and you're down all the time, those people are not going to come to you no matter what you do. That's right. Exactly. So you have to actually be the ultimate. I call it FYF, like fuck yeah, friend. Right. <laughs> so like to really magnetize your people, you need to be an FYF. And, and if you're not leaning in and like being like, sure, I'll come to this early morning dance party at sunrise on a weekday morning before going to work. Like I, you know, Daybreaker really wouldn't exist if I hadn't spent five years cultivating FYFs in my own life. Yes. Right? Yeah. And I, I, I've seen it in my own life radically where when I, over the past few years, when I really started to focus just on love and yeah. in moments like having love for everybody. And it's not always the easiest thing. I, I fail at it sometimes, but having that mindset of being the best version of myself, being as loving, as kind as I humanly possibly can, um, being there for other people, just being vulnerable in myself, in my truth and who I am, and really being there as a as like a staple for for another person, you know, to to love them and to be kind to them and to um, support them. And in doing those things, I've attracted so many of those people towards me. It is insane. It blows my mind in being one of like the craziest and being vulnerable, the amount of vulnerability that has been attracted to me from other people has been so beautiful. And when someone you just met, or even if you've known them for a couple months or a couple of years, whatever it might be, when you can feel them feeling safe with you, Mm -hmm. And being their authentic self and being totally vulnerable because that's who you were to them. That is one of the most beautiful experiences I think I've literally mm. ever had in connecting with another person. I love that. Yeah, that, that's so right. It's like, um, you know, my definition of belonging is a feeling of I'm home. 
where community is the space in which you experience belonging, right? So belonging is a feeling. Community is actually a space in which you experience that feeling yes. of belonging. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Wow. I love that. Uh, and I want to talk to you too. I know you are a big advocate of, of joy and practicing joy, expressing your joy. Uh, so to me, honestly, joy, when, so I talk about love a lot, obviously, but to me, love, it's not the romantic love. It is the energy of love. It is forgiveness. It's kindness. It's compassion. It's empathy. Uh, it's vulnerability. It is joy. It's happiness. Like those things, those are love. So I love that you are channeling through the energy of love, which is joy. Um, and I know you do Dose of Daybreaker right? Where you help people practice joy. So if you can just uh, talk a little bit about that, that'd be awesome. Yeah. So, you know, during the pandemic, um, there was a lot less joy in the country, in the world and in our Daybreaker community. So we launched um, a project called Daybreaker Plus, kind of like Disney Plus or, you know, so it was like our online virtual community um, to really help our community members and anyone who wanted to join the membership. Um, a space to wake up with joy, a space to practice joy. And in the same way that we practice yoga or practice meditation, what if we created a space and created a sort of a library of practices where you could practice how to be more joyful, how to unlock your happy neurochemicals in your brain naturally, so you can basically biohack joy as well, just by understanding the way your brain works. And I think so often we we think of joy without the science behind it, but joy is so steeped in neuroscience, right? So if we actually just figured out what part of our brain was connected to joy, and instead of popping pills or drinking alcohol or taking drugs or whatever to release those same neurochemicals, what if we moved our body or breathed our way or danced our way or meditate, you know, there's so many ways to unlock those same neurochemicals. So we partnered with UC Berkeley and the Greater Good Science Center during COVID and really um, built the first joy quiz to prescribe movement practices that we filmed in our studio um, based on your quiz results. So like, let's say you, um, your dose, we call it your dose. Dose stands for dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins. So the fact that, you know, when I put that together, I was like, oh my God, your four happy neurochemicals spells out the word dose. I'm like, how did no one ever put that together? It's crazy. We can actually dose ourselves on our own happy neurochemistry if we learn how to unlock them. So that's sort of the, the genesis of dose. But then let's actually develop a quiz with, with UC Berkeley Graduate Science Center to help people understand what is their dose so that we can personalize your experience on the Daybreaker Plus platform. So let's say you did the quiz and based on your answers, you had three parts dopamine, two parts oxytocin, four parts serotonin, two parts endorphins. That would be your prescription of classes to take on the Daybreaker Plus platform. So you would take two dopamine classes that month, three oxytocin classes that month, right? And so on and so forth. Um, so we organize our classes on the platform based on neurochemical. So it's really, really fun because once oh. you begin now assigning yoga or dance or breath work or visualization or sound therapy or, you know, all the different sort of movement modalities through the lens of our neurochemistry, then it just sort of 
gives you a new opportunity um, with which to see yoga. Yoga is not just a way to stretch your body out, but hey, there's all these beautiful ways to release your serotonin when you do yoga. If the teacher is saying these things, doing affirmations, doing a gratitude practice, like all kinds of different things connected to serotonin release inside of the yoga practice. So lots of really fun, um, you know, kind of additions that we brought to movement practices that that we already know and love. It's amazing. And like you're, you're setting even more of an intention for it, right? Because even in setting that attention, intention, that creates it to happen in you. If you know, hey, during this class, I'm going to get a, you know, I'm, I'm coming in here because based on my quiz, it says I need a little bit more serotonin. Then that's literally because your intention is on it and what you're focusing on, it's going to bring more of that into you. Exactly. And I think like too often when I go to yoga class, it's just like downward dog, upward dog, warrior one, warrior two, and there's no sort of science or connection. And if we can just train the teachers, which we've done to message sort of joy and neurochemistry and serotonin release or dopamine release or, or whatever, then all of a sudden you're actually, you can actually trick your brain to release each of these neurochemicals just by activating a smile, for example. So if the teacher yoga just say, hey, smile as you're coming up into your uh, into your warrior one that smile actually releases serotonin and so so just like little things like that that we incorporate in the practices that really shift um it from just a typical yoga class to a joy practice mm. right I, I had the best teacher yoga teacher uh when i lived in ocean beach in san diego and every now and then uh, cause during yoga, sometimes you, you get so caught up, like kind of in the moment and like, there's like a lack of joy because you're sitting there with your scrunched face, trying to hold a pose and you're sweating. And every now and then she'd be like, everybody, it's just yoga. So it was like, smile. It's just yoga. Right. And in those moments, I would, it would bring me back my awareness back to the moment if it would go somewhere else. And I would realize in that moment, I would just smile and I felt so much better. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And then if you layer on all this other affirmations and gratitudes yeah. and all this other stuff that connects to joy, right? I picture, I want you to imagine, you know, as you're, as you're coming into the upward dog that you're swimming in an ocean or whatever, right? Like nature is a joy practice as well. So all kinds of different sort of ways to invite teachers to flex mm. um, in those ways, I think is new. And it, and sometimes I feel like people think it's like, well, what is this little thing going to do? But it's like literally smiling in that moment affects you chemically. It affects your That's vibration, right. practicing a positive affirmation, doing these little things, having a visualiza visualization that does change everything that changes your body's chemistry. It changes literally right. again, like your vibration and it can have a yeah, massive we, impact. Yeah. Yeah. Like we have, we have an affirmation wheel around our teacher on our, in our classes online, so that like, let's say you're doing a yoga class or a meditation class or a dance class, there's these eight affirmations that are on the perimeter of the screen that are just sort of subconsciously entering your system. So you yeah. might not be necessarily sort of, I'm not necessarily calling it out as, as an instructor, but just by seeing I am worthy, I am enough, I am magic, I am everything, I, you know, right? I am perfect as I am whatever, all of that is now steeping into your system. Yes. That alone, those affirmations alone is a joy practice. So we've, mm. so all of our classes are set against a nature background. 
a color connected to a neurochemical and an affirmations wheel around the teacher so that every little experience design element of the class is connected to releasing a joy, you know, a happy neurochemical. Yeah. yeah. It's like just seeing those things in the background, right? Maybe not totally focusing on them, but they're there. They are seeping into your subconscious. They, they exactly. just are. That's right. With that, and without you knowing, you are thinking that you are worthy. That's right. That's, yeah. That's right. That's so That's cool. Right. That's great. That's right. um, Rada, this has been incredible so far. I, in talking to you and seeing the things that you've done um, that you're continuing to do right now, it, it really it encourages me. It gives me hope. It makes me feel amazing because I feel like you are really connected to God or source in the sense that you are allowing God, source, the universe to funnel through you in the way of who you truly are. Do you know what I mean? It's like, there's like not resistance. You're allowing the beauty of your, your truth, of your oneness, of your love. So like to me, God and source is love. It is our, it's unconditional love. It's just, it's who we really are without diminishing ourselves, without the distraction of other things going on in our lives, without society kind of beating us down and telling us what we actually should be doing as opposed to what we feel like we should be doing in terms of what brings us joy and what makes us happy. And when I can see somebody letting that funnel just come through them and come out of them, it's really a, a special thing to see. Um, and somebody. And I, of course, and it, you know, I think it encourages other people to maybe look deeper within themselves, understand that that is possible for them too. Um, And it just really takes a little bit of mindfulness, a little bit of going inward to realize what brings us joy and what makes us happy. And I had a a podcast, I had a guest on, uh, her episode is actually coming out tomorrow. Uh, But we talked about this and Instead of focusing, because I've always been like, what is my purpose? Like, what am I here to do? And I I mean, that's okay. That's an okay question to ask. And I've asked myself that question for a while, but she opened my mind in talking about releasing the idea of, of beating ourselves down with the question of what is my purpose, but instead understanding and going in to find out who I really am and really what brings me joy and what brings me happiness. And then just living through that and going from there, because when we do that, that is like a way of living our purpose, but it's just, it's just a way of, our, of us living our truth. And the cool thing too, Radha, it's like, I, I feel like when we do live our truth, when we do allow source to funnel through this, uh, funnel through us, you're able to make such an impact on the world. Like example, for you, you've, you've touched so many lives and had such an impact and reached so many people because you are living your truth and, and being who you are. Mm. Yeah, I think, I think that's, um, and I think that's really encouraged, I think, to be true to who you are and to be in sort of channeling of source energy. I think you need to be wrapped up in love too. I think we talked about this earlier, but um, I think too often, um, people think that they can be sort of finding that source energy alone if they work on themselves. 
But the truth of the matter is we can't actually find flow state or, or true source energy unless we feel seen and loved mm. and held by community and unless we belong, right? And so for me, I was really not living my truth for almost a decade, um, chasing what I thought my parents wanted, what society wanted, what, you know, kind of club culture in New York City uh, wanted. And uh, and um, and I think it was only at 30 years old when I looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, whoa, I don't belong where my people at. And I started doing these exercises and really focusing on aligning my values with my community. Um, that was when I really began following my truth and my path because I felt so safe, seen, supported, loved. Mm. And in 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 feeling that with my community, I felt that for myself. And I think we forget that. I think we live in this often endless loop of self-help reading, thinking that we can do this on our own. No, no, you got this. You don't need anyone else. Like if you love yourself, then then you'll be fine. No, no one else will be able to get to you. But that's actually a complete fallacy. It's not true. You can't fully love yourself. We are humans. We cannot fully love ourselves unless we are seen and we find our tribe and we really feel held and connected to our community unless we belong. And so um, it's so crucial to work backwards and really, you know, so to, to, from the place of, oh, wow, she's really channeling source energy to how, how did that happen? Yeah. Well, that happened because I courageously said, no, I'm not hanging out with vampire energy anymore. I'm done with that. I'm, I'm really going to focus on cultivating really values aligned, intentional community that will hold me to my dreams, like who will help me find my dreams, who will help me, who will give me wind underneath my wings, right? So, so I really feel like that is step one, step zero yeah. to any aspect of life is stop reading self-help books immediately <laughs> and really start focusing on finding your tribe and building a community of like-minded humans. Um, not like necessarily like-minded to sort of, you know, to always just be in yes of each other, but like values aligned humans who, who really feel like your win is their win. Their win is your win that you really feel mm -hmm. Um, so deeply connected to not just your own success, but their success too. You know, when my twin sister and I, when we sold our company, Thinks, our underwear company, um, you know, for nine figures, and it was like this huge exit, it was so wild. You know, we, all of our friends said to us together, we're rich, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> we, we are as a community because it was all of us that did it. it yes. You know, we spearheaded it, we co-founded the company, um, but it was really a collective of all of our friends that really built the thing together. And and when we sold our company, my sister and I took, you know, 40 of our friends on a, you know, a, a paid vacation as a thank you for being our tribe mm -hmm. as we went through the trials and tribulations of building a startup and to all the way to exit. So, um, so all of those were heads down, you know, building companies by themselves. And then when they exit, have no one to celebrate it with, like, what's the point, right? Like, yeah. what's the point? So, yeah. yeah. And I wanted to say too, I think the, you know, what you experienced in your twenties was needed. That contrast was needed. You needed to know what you didn't want in order to right. know what you, what you did want. 
And I always look at the positive in every situation. So it's even like, you know, the vampire sucker friends, those people that you had, like there's beauty in that because you needed to experience that to be like, this is not what I want. This is not right. what I want to be a part of. Now let me go shoot rockets of desire in another, in, on the opposite way and go find what I actually do want and where I do belong. And Rada, I think you, it's, I, yeah, you go. But, but just to add, like, I think we are so used to dealing with vampire energy. We're so used to letting that in our sphere and our space that we forget that we have the courage to decide if we're going to let that energy into our sphere. You know, the saying, you are as good as the closest friends, you five closest friends you keep. Like it really matters. It really, it really does. And yeah. it's so important um, to not be dealing anymore. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's a good point. Cause like the beauty in them to me is to show you what you don't want. There's not beauty there if you don't realize how courageous you can be, if you don't realize that there's another way that you can go. If you get sucked into that and stuck into totally. that, that's not where we want to be at all. That is there as a key, as a light to be like, hey, this is not what you want. Now go in the other direction. Don't get sucked into, into that direction. That's right. And Rhonda, I think it's, it's so true, the community and... I think being our best selves and growing to our fullest potential, it is in the people around you. Because as you were talking about that, I'm thinking, I'm like, when do I feel the most love? When do I feel the best? When do I feel like the highest vibration? It's during conversations like this, sharing this space with a member of my community, who you are. It's I do mastermind calls every Thursday with a oh my God, such, such a core group of eight to 10 people. And I feel more alive and I feel better than I've ever felt in moments during those phone calls or doing those video calls. And then just in life, in my yoga studio, uh, with my friends, um, I mean, with my wife, my brother lives here too. Like having that community and having that sort of shared collective space with other people are the moments that I thrive and I feel the best. And I think that's just so true. And I'm, I'm grateful you brought that up. Yeah, and I think for those who think of themselves as introverts as well, in many of my conversations with psychotherapists about this topic, because I have friends who call themselves introverts um, and extroverts, um, you know, what I've learned is that there is unprocessed trauma in those who call themselves introverts um, in social moments in their childhood whether it was their parents yelling at each other and they need to find solace in their bedroom by themselves, whether it was sexual, you know, sort of um, uh, violence uh, that they had to run away from, whether it was bullying school that made them feel more comfortable in alone in their room. There's so many factors uh, in our childhood or in our teen years that we process in our adulthood as, oh, I, I feel better when I'm alone. I need to, I need more energy. I fuel up with energy when I'm, when I'm alone, when in fact, it's actually, you know, every single human being is wired for connection. We are mm -hmm. wired for belonging. We are wired to be seen by one another. Um, it's really in breaking all the labels that we have for each other, but also recognizing that some of these labels like introvert is a dangerous label because it actually takes us away from those moments that you just talked about, the moments of like deep connection and joy, 
when we actually feel seen, we actually feel affirmed, we actually feel like we're contributing to a community. Mm. Um, and, you know, I, I just really want that term introvert and extrovert to be just like expunged from our vocabulary because it's really hurting, um, hurting us in, in our in our connections with one another. It's like when we label ourselves in that way, if someone's like, hey, I'm an introvert or even maybe they don't even think that they're an introvert, but maybe they've been told their entire life that they're an introvert. Exactly. And, and so now they label themselves as such and they say, okay, exactly. I'm an introvert. So I'm supposed to stay to myself. I'm supposed to be alone. I'm not supposed to be social. And as you keep feeding yourself those thoughts, they, they become your beliefs and then who you are. That's right. Self-fulfilling prophecy. That's exactly right. And mm -hmm. so to really break that pattern, the first thing we have to remember is that A, we have to courageously look in our past to see and look under the hood, what were some of the moments that didn't feel good that you want to unpack now, but also to remember the fact that we are wired for connection. We cannot survive or thrive mm. without community and belonging. We literally are all one. So when we disconnect from each other, we're disconnecting from our oneness and then we're not whole. And I feel like we cannot live such a fulfilled life because if you think about that, in in oneness, if you separate yourself from the oneness, how could you feel the best that you could feel? Right. I mean, that's the thing. It's like the seventh chakra, right? I am you, you are me, the yeah. higher consciousness. That's what I always talk about in my classes um, on, on Daybreaker. Plus to my, to my, to our members, just like, you know, how do we tap into the seventh chakra? How do we actually align intuition and heart together, right? When we align intuition and heart together our sixth and our and our fourth chakra right then all of a sudden we're actually living in this unity space the seventh unity higher consciousness space mm. um um and so yeah i am you you are me my win is your win your win is my win right that concept of oneness um that is a practice that is yeah. a practice absolutely yeah. yeah uh and i know we have to uh we'll start to wrap things up um rada the question that i ask every single guest and you are living this and it's amazing to see. Uh, but the goal of, of spread love movement of my life is to aid in shifting the collective consciousness of the planet. Uh, and we can all do this together. It's shifting it in a place that is more one, that's more peaceful, that's more joy-filled, that's more happy, that's more loving, more kind, compassionate, vulnerable, empathetic, all of these beautiful energies of love, helping shift our consciousness to that place. Um, so the question I ask every guest is, how do you feel like you are aiding in this shift of consciousness every day? Oh, it's all I do. <laughs> <That's a breaker. laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think for, for me now, it's um, actually, you know, in the last couple of months, since I, I took a couple hundred people to Antarctica, um, I'm really interested in sort of the concept of helping people find joy, connection and oneness and love through the lens of being a Trojan horse for joyful climate activism. So the more happy we are, the more joyful we are, the less in trauma, the less our focus is myopic just towards our trauma, the more we can open up our lens and begin caring about mother earth, right? Like she mm -hmm. really needs us right now and going to the tender belly of the planet a few weeks ago and seeing 
seeing Antarctica and seeing the icebergs melting and seeing, you know, the where the currents of our world come from, um, it really showed me that unless we actually find oneness with the planet yes. and oneness in our service and savoring of her, we are we, you know, we um you know, we, we won't, uh, we won't really achieve the oneness that we actually can. And it's not by being doomsday. It's not by being saying like, we're all going to die. You know, it's like really about like, Hey, we're all going to live abundantly. Mm. We're all going to be in the most magical sort of symbiosis with the planet. If we understand the importance of our oneness to her and start really activating, um, our, our own lives to do more composting, less single use plastics, just all the things that we just carelessly do every day. So oneness to me is not just human to human, but, but human to ecosystem. It's so important that we begin to see in that way. Uh, that is perfect because that is so true. We are in oneness with the planet, with the entire universe. We are in our oneness. And I think so many times that we think that by me hurting this person or that person or the earth, we're only hurting them. We're not hurting ourselves when that just couldn't be uh, farther from the truth. When you're mean or rude, or you hurt that person, or when you damage or hurt the earth, we're hurting ourselves. Right. Because we are, because right. we are one and it's really grasping right. and understanding that. Yeah. And yeah. And, and knowing that about ourselves, that in the pain that we create, we are also feeling it as well. It hits us. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, and, and it's through joyful activism that we're actually going to make a difference. I really feel like fear tactic, oneness, or like if you don't understand spiritual connection or if you don't do this work, you're not going to. I think that, that, that phrasing or that sort of alignment is actually destructive and, and um, repelling rather than sort of, hey, let's like, play and dance and throw parties and really like bring joyful activism to climate awareness or to belonging, right? Like Daybreaker is all about not just like, Hey, let's talk about our feelings. You know, let's like dance our faces off. Let's dress mm -hmm. up in costume. Let's go to the most iconic locations. Like let's really like come together in collective joy and dance and community to really unlock some of these more sort of, scary feelings that we don't really want to talk about. It can actually come through, mm. um, in joy. And I think that's really what, uh, where I think we, um, we, uh, we are really serving the best. Yeah. I love, uh, like a minute or two ago, you said, it's like, it's not focusing on doomsday. It's focused on the abundance, on the abundance of what's happening and like putting our focus and energy towards that, the abundance of this earth, the abundance of our love for one each other, the abundance of our love for the earth. I love that. That is perfect. Focusing <laughs> on what we want, not focusing on what we don't want. Yes. Of, yeah. <laughs> you are incredible. Before we hop off, if you can just let people know where they can find you on Instagram, your book, uh, your website, all that good stuff. Yeah. So meet us on the dance floor at daybreaker.com. Um, find me on social at love.rada, um, where I'm on the go. So you can follow some of our um, playful adventures there or at DYBRKR, which is at our Daybreaker Instagram handle, um, or um, or meet us on Daybreaker Plus. Like that's a really wonderful place mm -hmm. to connect with me and our community more meaningfully. We have 
over a thousand members on the platform in beta right now practicing joy together. Um, and it's the cost of one therapy session for the full year. So it's 300 bucks for the entire year of unlimited on-demand content and monthly, you know, zoom call with me. And there's a lot of like really fun perks to connect with us on, um, with joy. We have a lecture series on joy as well on the platform, lots of, lots of goodies there. So I really, um, want to grow that community as well of joy practitioners. So yeah, you can find us at, it's, um, on daybreaker.com. You can click like, um, join daybreaker plus and meet us there. Cool. We'll put all the links, all the handles, uh, in the episode below. Rada, thank you for being here. You're so beautiful. Thank you for sharing your passion and your truth and encouraging other people to do the same. I appreciate you so much. Thanks for having me, Justin. Of course. Thank you, everybody. We love you so much and we'll see you next time. Bye.